What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 141 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? The, uh, Of course, the biggest boxing weekend of the season, and your boy's got a wedding to go to. <laughs> Gotta love it. Your DVR better be completely cleared before uh, before you leave for the, uh, the party, Vin. Yeah, I guess I ain't watching football on Sunday, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Wait, is there 12 fights this weekend? Dude, it's loaded. Yeah. It's loaded. Um, a lot of big names in action. Um, the weekend headlined by the likes of Anthony Joshua, Terrence Crawford. We've got a vacant heavyweight title on the line. Um, and a coming-of-age fight for, for one of the top prospects here on the boxing rant. J-Rock Julian Williams getting his shot at Jamal Charlo. Yeah, finally. I mean, look, we've been waiting for this kid to get a shot for it seems like two years now. We we've we've been thinking he's been ready. Oh yeah. Uh I think he shines. Oh I man. think he shines. Uh I can't wait and I can't wait to talk about it on this on this busy docket. Um we didn't bring you an episode last week, but we're bringing you episode one forty one early this week. We'll also touch um on some action that transpired this past weekend. Um, yesterday, to be a matter of fact, and uh, we'll also take you back to Lomachenko versus Walters and get you our take on that action. A little bit of news and notes, but for the most part, this is a fight preview heavy show. We welcome you all to episode 141 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com today and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. And check Vin and I out as we dropped an Anthony Joshua versus Eric Molina fight preview video on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Be sure to visit theboxingrant.com and check out the latest videos from Vin and I here at the Boxing Rant. Vin, let's just dive right into this thing. Um, I'm not sure who's a bigger star worldwide. I think it's pretty safe to say it's Anthony Joshua. So yeah. let's just lead off with him, right? keeping all of our UK casual uh, podcast listeners in suspense right now. <laughs> um, all right. So Anthony Joshua versus Eric Molina. Then this upcoming Saturday night from Manchester, England, the IBF heavyweight championship will be on the line. Like we talked about in the fight preview video on the boxing rant, there's becoming this trend um, and there's a lot of things driving it. And the trend is, is that Anthony Joshua has been fighting sub world level fighters now he's only got 17 career fights but it's been a trend on a gravy train that has been milked along by the fervor of the casual stir over in the united kingdom you know about anthony joshua and there's so much getting right now and when the getting is good they're gonna keep on pumping tomato cans and this is just another one man eric molina 
I don't know if they're trying to hype him up as the guy that wobbled Deontay Wilder, mm-hmm. but he is just as much a schlep as the schleps that uh, uh, preceded him. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, this this fight, this Joshua fight will be the cherry on top of this. What I will call the year of the developmental champion. It's like <laughs> all of a sudden we get these guys to pick up these belts that are clearly not ready only based on status and, and their draw and what money they can make for whatever fucking network they fight for. And it's complete bullshit, man. I mean, it just it degrades what a championship really is. Honestly, it does. It's, it's it's fucking pathetic. It does. You know, look, that's what we're getting right now with Anthony Joshua. Look, it, it it is it is two parts. Eddie Hearn is milking this thing for what it's worth and all the money that they're making over there. Mm-hmm. But it's also a part. Eddie Hearn knows that Anthony Joshua is not quite ready yet. He needs yeah. a little bit more experience. I just don't know. Because I think what ends up happening, it's the same thing with Deontay Wilder, except Deontay Wilder's got twice as many fights. It's like, what are you really doing for your guy by getting them a belt and then continuing to put the same quality of trash opponent that they face in their developmental years in front of them as a champion? At some point, at some point, Anthony Joshua's going to have to get in the ring with a formidable opponent. Well, Ken, does he? Really? Let's think about this for a second. Joshua, Joshua, Wilder, Parker, all of these guys. I mean, you know, Parker's got a, a decent resume to this point. But let's just say the, the old guys just kind of fade away, and they never have to face them. <laughs> well, now they're facing a guy that's never faced anybody either. So does it really fucking matter? Could make for some uh, exciting fights. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, you know what? Eric Molina thinks he has a shot in this one. Um, Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, all you have to do is look at the fight poster and just look at the difference between these two guys' bodies. I mean, look. Eric Molina's got a dad bod. Yeah. And Deontay Wilder's just unskilled enough to where a guy like Eric Molina was able to give him fits. And let's be honest, Deontay Wilder looked like shit against Eric Molina. Yeah. But I have a hard time believing that Anthony Joshua is going to look like shit against Eric Molina because, one, he stays ready. He stays in shape. The dude does the same thing every time out in the ring. At some point, he's going to touch you, and then he's going to unleash what's usually a multi-punch combination while your ass is up against the ropes. And Molina is going, I've said it before and I'll say it again, he's going to get his head knocked off. Yeah, I, I, I don't see any way in this fight he lasts nearly as long as he did with Wilder because Joshua's it's the different fighter. He'll, yeah. he'll, he'll get him out of there. He's not going to sit back and wait for the perfect right hand. Joshua's going to go find it and go get it. And this <laughs> fight will be over in two fucking rounds. Then what? Then who what? knows? Apparently Klitschko, Ken. Apparently we're going to we're going to start having that conversation again. This spring Klitschko will uh will travel to the United Kingdom to take on the UK's uh you know the UK people's champ. Yeah. Car- Anthony Joshua. Carl Froch's title of being the man who knocked out the man in front of 80,000 in Wembley will now be challenged. <laughs> Oh. That's all that really matters in this in this scenario. Yeah, I mean, look, we're talking about this first on this show on a on a on a packed docket of fights coming up this weekend, and it's for a reason because we can sit here and say that the hype train isn't substantiated yet. You know what I mean? We're not yeah. sitting here saying that it's not deserved because it is deserved in the sense of the possibility of what this kid can be. I mean, dude, right. he he sat, uh, you know, nestled in the top two 
of our prospect list for two years in a row. I mean, we think highly of the guy. Just at some point, can we get this guy a challenge? Right. Um, you know, and if those fights come, uh, will he be ready? Who knows? But in the meantime, I, uh, I guarantee you one thing. For whatever it costs you over in the U.K., if it's 20 pounds for this pay-per-view, you'll get your money's worth because I'm seeing a pretty devastating knockout coming around the third round then. Yeah, it's, this is not going to be long. No. All right, another heavyweight fight on the card, uh, Dillian White versus Derek Chisora. The only thing we can hope for is some kind of um, is this a, spectacle at the weigh-in, then. Is this a hell-in-the-cell match? <laughs> or is it tables, ladders, and chairs? Dude, these two guys have the personalities for it, for sure. Because I don't know what's going to happen in the ring here, man. I, I think Del Boy's going to lay a turd, and Dillian White's just... Just gonna box him and win a twelve round snoozer. Yeah, I, I don't see much coming from this fight as far as entertainment value yeah. in the ring. I mean, all what, of it's outside of the ring. They'll, they're selling it well. I'll give them that. Yeah, whether yeah. it's cheesy and corny or not, they're doing their job and selling the fight. Yeah, I think Chisora may also be faded enough then to where White might be able to get him out of there. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who really cares? <laughs> That's what I. Well, in know, the back of my mind, when you're talking about this, I'm thinking. I don't want to say about this, and I'm like, you know what? I really don't give a shit. <laughs> Let's just keep our fingers crossed for uh, maybe Derek Chisora smacks Dillian White across his face during their uh, stare off. That's I think that's the best thing that could come out of this matchup. <laughs> All right, uh, Khalid Yafai, a guy um, who's been regarded as a really um, crafty, quick, uh, top prospect in the lower weight classes, but has kind of been kept on the back burner. hasn't gotten much exposure. A lot of people don't know about him and his brother. Um, these guys are super talented, but going from where Yafai came from and stepping into this fight against Luis Concepcion, this tells me that Eddie Hearn is playing the odds that his quick, young, seemingly more athletic fighter is just going to have that edge against a slower uh, Latino fighter. And I'll tell you what, man, Khalid Yafai better be ready because Concepcion is not going to let him off the hook. Well, I, I'll say this. If Eddie Hearn picked him, there's a reason why he picked him. He, he, in his mind, thinks that this is the easiest belt in that weight class, and that's what he's getting his guy a shot at. I mean, that's been – that's the playbook. That's the Eddie Hearn playbook. That's everybody's fucking playbook in boxing now. <laughs> you fucking poach the easiest title that you yeah. can get in the division for your guy, and that's what they're doing. And, look, you know, this, that's not downplaying what Concepcion is as a fighter. Very, very fucking solid. Very good, but – I think Yafai's just got too much for him, a little too much for him. Even though it's a huge step up, I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough fight. It's going to be a good fight to watch. It's interesting to see how this plays out. Indeed. Um, another youngster, a guy that has sem- uh, seemingly been missing in action mm-hmm. uh, ever since he became the mandatory for the WBC 168 pound belt. One of our top prospects two years ago, but then um, I. I guess he was on the uh, the the Cal Yafai plan. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what happened, but Callum Smith has just been uh, lopping up schleps. He's been tucked in anywhere from like the fourth to the sixth fight. On They've been the, hiding him. Hiding him completely. And he's the mandatory to Badu Jack's belt. Now something good could come out of it. I mean, Callum Smith could end up fighting um, James DeGale. If DeGale comes out victorious in a huge U.K. matchup, I think Callum Smith has all the goods. But come on, Luke Blackledge? And you're listed here on ESPN's boxing schedule as the fourth fight on the card. This is not how you just... And then he's going to get thrown to the fire. And let's say 
it's either Badu Jack or DeGale. Maybe that fight ends up being on Showtime in the United States. Well, guess what? If you're not listening to the Tale of the Tape boxing podcast or the boxing rant, and you're an American fight fan who listens to podcasts, you don't know who Callum Smith is. I don't think I've heard on any other podcast anywhere anybody mentioned Callum Smith. Not in the U.S. No, no, not uh, in the U.S. And he's not doing himself any favors with these fights as far as when he gets in the ring with world-level talent. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about such a big step up that he's not he's never had that standing in front of him in the ring. So how the fuck do we know how he's going to react? We don't. Well, since he's on a similar plan as some of his brothers yeah. um and also Scott Quigg, you know, as far as you know, sort of this like built up uh, I don't know, reputation having fought nobody's, what's been the trend? This especially if you're a Smith brother, you step up and you get beat because you don't belong at the world level. I tend to believe that Callum Smith is every bit as good as Gilberto Ramirez, um, Badu Jack, and potentially James DeGale. I, I do, too. I'm very, very high on Callum Smith. I think uh, he will eventually win a belt in this division and maybe a couple belts in this division and probably end up moving up and doing well. He's got the frame and size for it. He is definitely by far, by far the best of the fighting Smiths. It's not even close. It really isn't. <laughs> no, it's not. I'll tell you what, I look forward to a potential matchup between Callum Smith and Gilberto Ramirez because I think that is a hell of a fight. Two guys staring at each other eye to eye at six foot three. Dude, yeah, just come on, man. Those are giants in that division. Yeah. Giants. And you know that uh, Gilberto's uh, El Zerto, the Southpaw, does nothing more than throw punches and bunches. I mean, <laughs> my God, he's perpetual motion yeah. in the ring. It's exciting. It's just been boring. I mean, this. It, it, let's call it what it is. This has been a fucking boring rise of Callum Smith. Yes. And, I mean, I'm glad he's fighting on this card, and I'm, I'm going to watch him. Yeah. I mean, but come on. All right. But, Vin, <laughs> there's one big heavyweight that we got to talk about. Okay, and his name's King Kong. But before we do, mm-hmm. let's just break the news to the world, okay? Because this Anthony Joshua Eric Molina card is not just another money making cash extravaganza for Eddie Hearn <laughs> and Matchroom Boxing, but it also marks a historic, an historic event in boxing history. What's that? It is the debut of Scott Quigg as a featherweight. Oh, are you serious? He's back, baby. He's back. <laughs> I could give a fucking shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, this cl- this clown. I mean, all he's go- all he's gonna do is have Frampton coming out of the side of his mouth for the rest of his career and chase him down. So yeah, do whatever you want, Scott. Uh, <laughs> once you get to the world level at one twenty six, the same thing will happen. <laughs> I'm not convinced he gets past Cayetano, dude. I don't uh, think his power. He he had barely had power. He had power against washed up bums and yes. and, and and nobodies at one twenty two. I think he is going to be pedestrian at 126 pounds he is a lower half of the of the top 10 of that division fighter you know who he is Yevgeny Gradovich and he's not nearly as tough as Gradovich is no I mean Quig's a tough fighter but Gradovich is a different level tough well the grinder dude he uh the Russo Mexicano actually lifted a belt uh yeah he's had it beaten out of him here lately yes he has and maybe that's gonna end up happening to Scott Quig because I tell you what man um, he pretty much proved his his worth against Carl Frampton. Now he kind of stunk that out a little bit. You know what I mean by not participating in the fight for the first five rounds. Yeah. Um, but that that is the way of a Gallagher fighter. So we'll see the new and improved Joe Gallagher product 
and it's the return of Scott Quick. Coming out of that high guard in the fourth round this time, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, let's cap this thing off with uh, one of our favorite fighters and a guy that I still regard as the best heavyweight in the world. Um, Recently signed to Matchroom Boxing in a failed attempt to showcase him, or perhaps not. Maybe they wanted to make him look bad for a future promotion. Who knows? Luis King Kong Ortiz returns a month later after Malik Scott um, put on one of the most despicable performances against him in Monte Carlo. Good God, man. David Allen steps up saying that he's always wanted to fight the big Cuban. <laughs> what the f- <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, David Allen. I, I, I have no idea. He's got 10 career fights, and his 11th career fight is going to end up with his head on a platter because... This guy is exactly the guy that they should have put in front of him in, in Monte Carlo. Yeah, look, uh, <laughs> Ortiz is in shape this fight. Yeah. I don't think he was in shape against Malik Scott. Uh, he'll be in better shape in this fight. He'll be more tuned in. I, dude, this is going to be ugly, man. This is not a fair fight, really. Honestly, should not be in the fucking ring with Ortiz, period. Yeah, a guy that's got 400 fights going against a guy that's probably got 50 amateur fights. Give me a break, man. Um, but, hey, King Kong. Better things lay ahead as Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua wait for uh, the Cuban heavyweight to get old. You mean the uh, Joshua's <laughs> human shield? <laughs> It'll happen eventually, trust me. <laughs> hey, and you never know, man. There might be a huge showdown. It might be uh, uh, Joshua versus Joshua versus Hay and Bellew versus Ortiz in a round robin. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that here in a, in a little bit. But um, that rounds out the Anthony Joshua-Eric Molina fight card this upcoming Saturday night from the United Kingdom. Um, the IBF heavyweight champ looks to add another win to his resume. Hey, an A-side, uh, well, I wouldn't call these guys A-sides. I'm <laughs> <laughs> about to pump this thing up. Yeah. <laughs> Easy there. Oh, but hey, Scott Quigg's back. <laughs> All right, dude, let's bring this back to the States. And a fight that kind of snuck up on us, you and I did an episode of the Boxing Rant on YouTube um, at Vince Place, sitting out by the pool. Yeah, that was interesting. It was, it was, (laughs) as we announced uh, Terrence Crawford versus John Molina Jr. Well, we are here on the precipice of the fight. Also, the same evening, HBO from Omaha, Nebraska, their favorite son, Bud Crawford, returns home to square off against big head John Molina. Now, Molina, then... Okay, he's challenging Crawford for his unified 140-pound crown here. Mm-hmm. He did something in his last fight against Ruslan Provodnikov that I didn't think was possible. He actually boxed his way to victory against, let's just call Provodnikov a spent, uh, a spent brawler um, who was a bit gun-shy, called him at the right time. But guess what? It got publicity enough for Big Head John. And guess Al Heyman makes a deal with Bob Arum, and we get Crawford versus Molina. What do you think about this fight? Uh, I think it'll be fun as long as it lasts, as long as Molina doesn't come out and fight like he did in the Broner fight, (laughs) which was fucking pathetic. I thought that was the end of Molina's career, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, the guy was throwing no punches, and if he's not punching, he doesn't stand a chance. No. And that's the only way he's going to win fights. You know, look, this fight kind of is what it is. You know, Terrence Crawford's going to fucking box circles around Molina, and – Hopefully, hopefully Crawford learned his lesson from the last time around and got the backlash for not finishing what he could have finished easily. Clearly, everybody watching the fight is going, okay, let's end this. We don't need to see you fucking pitter-patter the last four rounds and win an easy decision. He deserved the heat. 
He he did. And it was I, a fucking pay per view. If it wasn't a pay per view, right? It probably, the backlash probably wouldn't have been that bad. No, you're right. It wouldn't have been. And whether this is a pay per view or not, and it isn't, no, he needs to finish the job. I'm just glad that they're getting him in the ring with a recognizable opponent because as good as Victor Postal is, and I still think he's the second best fighter at 140 pounds. Yeah, right now, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I still strongly believe that. Molina is just tough enough and just dumb enough, but to make it interesting. But I feel like the days of that John Molina, I think after the 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 beating that he took in the in the Matisse fight, mm-hmm. I think he is not going to engage himself in those kind of fights, which means that Molina will be at range, and which means that Crawford will be able to pick him apart all night long, and he'll switch it left, right, left, right. You have to think at some point that Molina's um, head is just going to just pile drive his entire body into the ground <laughs> after Terrence Crawford catches him with a straight right, and I think that's the punch that does it. I think he clips that chin. Um, and look, John Molina's been a brave guy. You know what I mean? He's been braver than most with less skill than most. Yeah. You know, and to be able to get in the ring against the guys that he has faced with a lack of skill and being kind of a just an unsettled personality in general, bouncing from trainer to trainer and, you know, always having problems in camps and being kind of dubbed in the same category as Vanis Martirosian as a malcontent. Yeah, and just he just seemed like he's not interested in fighting at, no. some, at times. It's ridiculous. And if you were his manager, you'd probably call him a pain in the ass, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's the, kind the way of he's reputation. carried himself, yeah. yeah. But, hey, he gets this fight, and he's going to get paid for this fight more than he would as, I mean, who are you going to match him against on the PBC justifying, what was it going to be, a PBC on FS1 Tuesday card? We're getting like 78 of those this year. <laughs> oh, are, are, are we? Really? <laughs> we are? Oh, then Give me your prediction, bud. Uh, I'm going to say Crawford. Uh, let's go TKO 7. Ooh, I like it. So that tells me if a TKO 7 happens in this one, that he is going to just erupt. The dog's going to come out. Maybe Molina catches him with a big shot, and then he just responds. Uh, yeah, I can <laughs> see that happen. I mean, I just don't see any way that Molina stands a chance in this fight, man. Seventh, that is um, probably right on the money. I'm going to be a little bit more conservative. I, I think it's going to be sustained over about te- 10 rounds. John Molina's going to try to stink this thing out at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to try to survive. Nobody wants to get knocked out. We've seen him do it. He'll do it again. Fingers crossed, though. It, it's the seventh round variety because that means it was an exciting fight. Yes. All right. So the WBC and WBO Unified Junior Welterweight Champion Terrence Crawford takes on John Molina Jr. from Omaha, Nebraska on HBO. Um, Vin, I guess you could call it a co-feature, a fight that's going to be taking place on the other side of the planet um, in Auckland, New Zealand, the WBO Heavyweight championship it is vacant it is on the line joseph parker and andy ruiz will square off for uh this quarter of the heavyweight pie now this fight's probably going to take place before you wake up in the morning but it's going to be tape delayed so do yourself a favor save yourself the excitement and stay off twitter during the day yeah right (laughs) good luck with that Uh, i mean it's just impossible to not get that information somehow yeah it you won't happens. even be thinking about it, and you'll just say, oh, let me just click, let me go on Twitter real quick. Oh, shit. First thing that pops up will be like, new heavyweight champion, Joseph. You'll be a motherfucker. Yeah, it's always the first headline on yeah. boxing. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's talk about the fight a little bit. So these two fights are going to be paired together, so that's a nice little ticket for HBO right there. Um, I'm really, really enjoying that. Joseph Parker, one of our top prospects, top five prospect last year on the 2015 prospect list, squaring off against undefeated top-ranked heavyweight Andy Ruiz, Junior, 
This fight to me, Vin, for the vacant WBO heavyweight title, I'll be honest with you. This is a very interesting fight. If you are a boxing fan and you love heavyweight boxing, but you really like the art and the science and the craft of boxing, for heavyweights, this fight, I'm not saying these are, you know, fucking Floyd Mayweathers of the of the heavyweight division. That's right. not what I'm implying here. But this is a, a battle of two pretty big guys, right, mm-hmm. that have interesting physical character uh, characteristics about them that both have pretty good hand speed for heavyweights. It makes for a really interesting back and forth between these two. I, I agree 100%. I think this fight is going to be a lot better than people think it's going to be. I think it's going to sneak up on people. I think Andy Ruiz is a much tougher opponent than Team Parker may think. I mean, look, they got all the, they've got all the cards set up. The deck is stacked in their corner. They're in New Zealand. They are the house fighter for this fight. You know, he's expected to win this fight. I'm not so sure it's going to be that damn easy, though, man, because Andy Ruiz Jr. is not a slouch no. whatsoever. You are going to look at him if you don't know him and go, no Chris, way this guy's any good. He's, Chris he's a, Ariola's cousin? Yeah, he looks worse than Chris Ariola. <laughs> but this guy knows how to punch and has hand speed. He's got T-Rex arms, but if he gets inside on you, guess who's got the advantage? Yeah, He does. He Andy does. Ruiz. This it, is going to be a tough fight, man. There's no doubt about it, man. I, you just pointed it out. I mean, that's really the only handicap in this fight for Andy Ruiz is that Nicholas Walters has a longer reach than he does. <laughs> that's insane. You know, but the the thing about Ruiz, like you said, I mean, he likes to press his opponents against the rope. He does a lot of work on the ropes because he uses that wide body and that heavy body to lean on you a little bit. And his his, his arms are the length or lack of length of his arms serve him well on the inside because he doesn't have to travel as far. And he's very educated inside. He throws very accurate punchers, and he always stays busy. Parker, on the other hand, has the size, the strength, the reach advantage, and the punching power advantage in this fight. Yes, and he's got good hand speed himself. So Probably better hand speed than Ruiz. This is going to be just a tough, tough fight. I think uh, Parker pulls out a decision in the end, but I think he's only going to win seven, eight rounds, and that's going to be nip and tuck through the middle rounds to to the end of the fight. It is going to be very close. I think the key to how this fight ends up um, at the end of the day, Ben, is going to be how good of shape Andy Ruiz Jr. comes in. Because Andy Ruiz is not going to be able to go 12 rounds with Joseph Parker. In my opinion, if he comes in looking like he has in, say, his last five fights that we've watched. Right. Okay? So that tells me this. If he comes in in that shape, because that's been the status quo for Andy Ruiz, that by the 10th round, Joseph Parker is going to have a fat, tired, Mexican heavyweight on the other end of him and a TKO is, is is my prediction because I haven't seen any evidence to the contrary of Andy Ruiz coming into this fight looking anything less than Chris Ariola's little cousin. Yeah, I, I will say this for Ruiz. Uh, he did start working with Abel Sanchez up at Big Bear, so the elevation, I don't know. They say it works wonders. Who knows? Yeah, but Maybe he comes into this fight. And, and they train there. Yeah. Maybe he comes into this fight in better shape. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, look, man, it, it, Golovkin sets the standard in that gym. And, yeah. the, and And the interviews with all the fighters in that camp, you know, guys like uh, Murat Gassiev um, and guys like El Mas Talentoso Sullivan Brer. I mean, these guys have all talked about how that pace gets set at that gym, and they all train together, and the goal is is to keep up with whoever's leading the day. Right, right. You know, so in that case, yeah, I, I guess that does point to him coming in better shape. But what is better shape for Andy Ruiz? 
<laughs> yeah, ser- seriously, it's you know, it's a very good question. Is there, is that really make him a fighter that's going to be able to go twelve rounds hard? Yeah, I probably not. I don't know. Um, so Vin is taking a uh, competitive fight decision win for Joseph Parker. I'm taking uh, Parker grinding down and out of shape Andy Ruiz. Either way, we both predict Parker lifting the WBO heavyweight title. And I tell you what, man, that makes this if if the belts are in the hands of Joseph Parker. Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, and all three of them are healthy at the same time. I could see these three making some pretty inter- uh, interesting fights. And maybe, maybe we've seen many pictures with Joseph Parker and Bob Arum lately. Mm-hmm. This could be the fight that he says, okay, I'll serve up Andy Ruiz as the opponent in this fight for something that we may think is a foregone conclusion as long as I get options. Because we know that Parker trains in Vegas, Bob Arum is the king of Vegas. Um, and it all signs point towards Joseph Parker making his U.S. debut under the top-ranked banner. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's been the plan all along, and it's. I, I think it stays on track in this fight, man. That's a huge win for Bob, man. Oh, huge win. Yeah, look, the heavyweight division is going to be very interesting for the next five years if these young guys can keep their shit together. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, until then, Vin. Until, yeah. until then, let's take it across to the other side of the street. Um, Los Angeles, California on Showtime. All right. Mm-hmm. When this was announced, I thought the co-feature was the main event because on Showtime Championship Boxing, typically championship uh, fights take place in the main event. Yeah. Uh, not really, because <laughs> the PBC and Showtime have made it a point to acknowledge that the regular version of the WBA belt is a legitimate title whatever weight class it is they're the only entity out there that pays mind to a regular title so not the actual champion no 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 not carl frampton but the regular champion all right the wba regular featherweight champion thick-necked jesus quajar steps in the ring against abner mares whose better days were at 112 and 115 pounds yep um at 126 then have you seen him at 126 standing next to jesus quajar yeah, he looks tiny. He looks like he doesn't belong in the same ring with, with Quasar. Quasar looks huge. His head looks huge. His neck looks huge. He's just a bigger, stronger guy, and he is going to push Mars around the ring. Dude, he's going to win an easy fight, in my opinion. I think he knocks him out. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. this is going to be one of those fights where you're going to be afterwards asking, what is left for Abner Mars? Yeah. Is he done? No. Um Yes. No, not no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead just right off the top here because this is this fight is secondary to the co-feature, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Quayar, six-round knockout, and I would not be surprised if it came on one punch. I'm being dead serious. Dude, if, if Johnny Gonzalez flatlines you an old-ass Johnny Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Who we've seen what he is yeah. since then. Yeah, he's just an old, worn-down fighter. Yep. Um, one punch, just one punch lights out you. This is a very big fighter. Leo Santa Cruz has proven one thing outside of being a tough guy and throwing a ton of, uh, a ton of punches is, is that he has no power. And yeah. you had you had a fight between Abner Mares and Leo Santa Cruz, two guys that don't have any power, that people thought was this like epic barn burner where you had two guys that were flailing punches and the the land the the connect percentage in that fight was so horrible. If Abner Mares comes out and tries that strategy against Quayar, Quayar's just going to piece him. And, well, what, and it's over. Yeah, either that or box him and you're just going to get walked down by Quayar. I dude, it's 
<laughs> I, I don't see any way for Mars to win this fight. I really don't. Over under six rounds. I think that's a fair. Uh, I'll go over. I'll say he lasts eight rounds. Okay. So uh, Quayer stops him in eight? Yeah, stop a eight, yep. Okay. Um, so that's the regular WBO title. They're at the actual WBA featherweight champion, the real world champion, Carl Frampton, will be back in action against Leo Santa Cruz early next year. That'll be a good one, baby. This is also kind of a testament, and I don't want to rain on this fight's parade because I want to give it its, its due. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it does kind of speak to the failed efforts of the PBC and Al Heyman's company to, to develop and promote young fighters. Because what we're going to see here, Jamal Charlo defends his IBF 154-pound belt against J-Rock Julian Williams. We're going to see two guys that are super, super talented, that have been treated completely different, um, that have been but, – but, but they've been treated the same at the same time because they're two guys that could have been promoted in completely different fashions and were not. And now we're settled with seeing this fight that we've anticipated so much. To me – it does it a disservice. It doesn't. It doesn't make this fight less important to me. Which, fortunately for Al Heyman and company, it doesn't turn a diehard like me off from this fight. Right. But it has to be said because this fight should be bigger than what it is. Now that being said, mm-hmm. J Rock gets his shot, squares off against the young lion, Jamal Charlo. This fight's really interesting, Vin. Two totally different personalities, in my opinion, with these two fighters. Yeah. Look, uh, the difference to, to, for me in this fight is that I've said it before and I'll say it again, and this is my opinion. You can say what you want about it, but in my opinion, J-Rock is the next great American fighter, the next Bernard Hopkins-type fighter, the next guy who takes the sport so serious and it's so clear that he is dedicated to his craft. There's not very many guys like that anymore. There just isn't. He's got an old-school mentality and I don't know him personally but this is just what I see when I see him I the the guy to me that is the difference in this fight Jamal Charlo is not that guy Jamal Charlo boxes for a living Julian Williams boxes because he wants to be great he wants to be a legend in the sport and that is the difference in this fight and I think Julian Williams is going to beat him he's not going to knock him out but he is going to outbox him for nine rounds in this fight easy He's just a better fighter. I'm sorry. Don't apologize to me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm with you, man. I mean, I think that's the difference. I think when you have a guy that takes the sport so seriously, uh, that trains the way and has, you know, the reputation in the gym, I mean, he he gets praised by, by many people, even those on the perimeter of what he is doing. Right. Um, give him praise for his work ethic. And I'm not saying that Jamal Charlo doesn't work that way. I just, I agree with you. I think that these two fight for different reasons. And I'm not saying that Jamal Charlo's reasons are bad, but are, are, are wrong. I right. mean, I mean, I'm sure they're, you know, for family and for, for, you know, for some shine, for money, whatever. But if you allow that to sort of consume you in your own hometown and you kind of buy into the hype you know, behind yourself, I think it sets you up for a major fall, especially when the guy that you finally have to face, you, you know, the first legitimate fighter you've ever been in the ring with. Now, granted, it's the same case for Julian Williams, yeah. but Julian Williams is not coming into this fight facing a monster. Jamal Charlo is facing a guy that has to, in some way, shape, or form, unless he is so completely delusional and so completely confident in himself, which he may be. I have no idea. 
But to me, I think Jamal Charlo looks across the ring and sees a guy that he doesn't want any part of. And I think Julian Williams stops him in the seventh round. Then. I think that's apparent for the whole 154-pound division. I mean, the way that this guy has had to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait when he is clearly, clearly one of the four best fighters in the division. Nobody wants any part of him. They all, you know, all the boys, the Lars and the Charlos hanging out down in Texas, holding the fucking division hostage in one gym. Everybody goes to work and shines their fucking belt every day. <laughs> not not interested in fighting anybody worth a fucking salt. <laughs> it's just fucking, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that, that J-Rock is the guy that's going to kind of break up this little fucking party they've been having down there holding on to these belts. Down in Houston, man. Yeah. Yeah, I swear. Yeah, if if Erzlandi Lara is the poster boy for the 150, like the state of the 154-pound division. Yeah, Yuri fucking Foreman, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fighting Yuri Foreman, guys. Oh. There, there you go, Lara heads. That's what your boy does. Ugh. He fights the best. The best. Yep. Well, hey, he's avoided. Nobody wants to fight him. Yeah, of course. So you got to go dig Yuri Foreman out of retirement. <laughs> you think Julian Williams for one second is afraid of Erzlandi Lara? Fuck no. I don't think anybody is. I don't know. Lard to me is just a fucking mouth. That is, he's he's fighting for paychecks, is all he's doing. Yeah. I, 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 I don't care about him. I don't care. Well, maybe one day, you know, it's a small world out there, Ben. Maybe we'll run into one of the 400 people that will be at Laura versus Foreman. <laughs> they can tell us all about it one day. Uh, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Move along, sir. Oh, man. All right. Yeah, so this is a big fight from a diehard fan's perspective. I know that we've talked about J-Rock for a really long time, um, and some of you out there have have definitely seen what Vin and I have seen out of this kid. I think it's J-Rock and the bread man reign supreme. I think they're hungrier. And um, you know what? I'm not so sure Julian Williams stays at 154 pounds very long because nobody at the top of the division wants to fight him, and he would be a monster at middleweight anyways. Yeah, I'd like to see him get out, get away from Al Heyman if, if possible. That's not going to happen. I, I know. He's in the tank for Al, but God yeah. damn it, his career would be so much better off. It would. But you know what? Let's see what happens if if Papa Al, Big Uncle Al, the Wizard of Al, if he, if he continues to steer Julian Williams' career on this path, this all-powerful manager that can't seem to get his his guy, one a guy that could be his show pony, but he's so invested in his guys that sort of play the part of champion, the mm-hmm. guys that are out there in the you know pop culture and that they think that they can have more eyes viewing these guys. The Supermans of the world, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was more talking about guys like Danny Garcia, but you know what I'm talking <laughs> right, about. Right. You know, I mean, dude, that has been the mismanagement of J-Rock is that he hasn't been viewed because if he was, Al Heyman would do everything in his power if Al Heyman was able to see Julian Williams for what he can be. Now, maybe Papa Al, because he's got all these guys brainwashed, is just always telling them what they want to hear. But a guy this hungry, if he wins this this belt and Al puts him on you know, a meal ticket plan for, for the next two or three years, he will never gain the momentum that his skill set deserves, that you and I both know his talent level, his hunger, and his skill and his power, his determination all tells me he is deserved to go down in the game as one of the best of this era. He has that potential, but I'm not so sure that it's even possible in the hands of Al Heyman. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure he'll reach that potential either, man. I, I hope hope he does because I truly believe that this kid can be the next great American fighter. Well, first stop, Jamal Charlo. Yeah, I think that's easy work, my friend. <laughs> 
All right. Another top prospect in action. Well, this guy might be a prospect for a little while because um, he's super young. Eric Salubin's back in action. Um, he's fighting an eight-rounder, getting in some work. Eric, Eric Salubin going to make an appearance on the prospect list this year, Vin? It's been a weird year for him. It really has. I just kind of slipped my mind that he was, you know, he was a guy that was high on my radar to start the year and just kind of such as most of uh, every fucking young fighter in the PBC. They just kind of, you forget about them. You forget about them. They're not out there. They're not promoted. Where would Eric Lubin's career be today versus, okay, let's just say the last year and a half of his career was managed as a headliner for showbox cards because that is where Mm -hmm. many of the great fighters of the last 30 years have, have, have come from that platform, right, that have fought on that platform and there's always great great fights on it. Now, we've seen Erickson Lubin on that platform, but he should have been there all along. But you take a guy who has the potential of Erickson Lubin, a guy that could be a monster. He has, dude, he has Tito Trinidad-type facilities about him. Like, his skill set is that of a tall, long, dangerous puncher. Yeah. Right? With supreme athleticism. But the problem is, I'm sorry, PBC on bounce is backwards from Showbox. Yeah, it's not even, it's fucking, you can be launched to another realm of just nothingness. It's a penal colony. You're, you're being <laughs> hidden. Nobody will see that. No. Your career will go nowhere in fights like that. It's fucking, it's the PBC. That's what they are, man. Um. Yeah, well, Lubin should do what he's supposed to do. And then uh, maybe one day, um, if as long as they don't keep him on the on the Charlo Brothers plan, we'll see him. Good luck with that. <laughs> That's what I'd say. Okay, let's go from Showtime to one of Showtime's rehabilitation projects that seemingly Mark Kriegel has failed at. <laughs> now, this is just gratuitous um, you know, stuffing of the pockets here as it is the return of J.C. Superstar Jr. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Um, heads back to Mexico, BN Sports Espanol from Monterey versus Dominic Britch a super middleweight contest uh, contested at 190 pounds. I think I saw the fight poster uh, called this fight one more for the road. Cause <laughs> I think this will be it, man. I really do. I think he'll struggle in this fight Chavez. And they're, they're just going to, they're trying to build him up uh, to sell him as an opponent to serve him up for somebody. Cause he's a name that people recognize. You say Chavez, you say Julio Cesar Chavez jr. And everybody goes, uh, it, it rings from the past, but I'm sorry. That's I, I don't think he's got it, man. I don't think he has it in him. He just never was a fighter. He was fighting because of his name. He was decent. He's a tough kid, but he's his heart's not in it. It's clear. It hasn't been in it for years. No. Yeah. Who knows, man? You know, you got to pay your bills somehow. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'm not tuning in. I'd be interested to see how many people in his home country actually come out, see how much weight that name really carries for a kid that most have to realize if they're realistic. Uh, this kid's been kind of a disappointment. And it hasn't been because he hasn't li- lived up to his father's lofty standards. It's because he's a fucking loser. I would think the Latino community <laughs> would view him as a brat loser, yes. Yeah, spoiled bitch. Yeah. Oh, did I say that? Did you? I didn't hear it. Whatever, man. Um, Julio Cesar Chavez returns to the ring. I don't know. But, uh, somebody will win. <laughs> somebody will win. All right, Vin, so that wraps up the loaded fight preview section of this card. Anthony Joshua versus Eric Molina. Terrence Crawford versus John Molina Jr. Joseph Parker, Andy Ruiz. 
Charlo versus Williams, Cuellar versus Mares. Jesus Christ, and on and on. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> so much to talk about. So little time. All right, Vince, so I guess that just leaves uh, wrapping up these these fights that have taken place over the past two weekends. Um, Vasily Lomachenko squared off against Nicholas Walters back on November 26th in Las Vegas, defending his WBO 130-pound crown. Coming into this fight, man, we uh, talked about how this had potential to be an action-packed affair. And um, after the fight unfolded, it looked as if Nicholas Walters had completely lost that side of him because he was not only confused, bamboozled, befuddled, um, he looked absolutely lost in the ring in this fight. And while I predicted an impressive showmanship-like knockout by Vasily Lomachenko, I predicted domination the entire way. Then I don't think anybody could have predicted that this fight would end with Nicholas Walters just giving up. Yeah, I mean, that's just not something you expect to see, especially from a guy who was probably coming into that fight considered the third, fourth, at worst, best best fighter in that division. Yeah. He just, dude, Lomachenko's just, he's on a different level, man. He's just on a different level. And I don't see anybody in that division giving him a lick of trouble. I think he walks through every fighter in that division. And I don't care what people say. You know, call Call me a... A lomosexual, call me a fanboy. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Are you watching what he's doing in the ring? There's nobody in boxing that does it like he does it. No. It's unfucking believable. The footwork, the movement, the circling of the target, the turning of the opponent. It's fucking unreal, man. I, I can't remember ever seeing a guy like this. He's just it's it's unbelievable to watch. The one thing that I come away from this fight more annoyed than anything is somehow, you know, with that fight and the Ward-Kovalev fight, race has been drawn into boxing, Ken. The, the, the race talk. Like, why in God's fucking name are we bringing race into a fight involving a Ukrainian and a Jamaican? And American fight fans will somehow correlate that to the race struggles in America between <laughs> the white man and the black man. You are a complete fucking retard if you do that. I am sorry. Don't bring that shit to boxing. I just want to watch a fight. You, you retards keep that shit to your little cyber-human fucking battles that you have, race wars that you fight on Twitter daily. Don't bring that shit to boxing, man. We don't need that shit. Don't be a fucking idiot, please. We, we get enough of it in the world. <laughs> it surrounds everything now. Please don't let it surround boxing. Preach it, brother. It's just it's terrible, man. It is. I I could not uh, agree more, Vin. I mean, I think it's sad that you know people that you know at least claim or project themselves to be significant voices um, in covering fighting, especially in the you know the podcast universe, which we share with now a lot of a lot of different boxing podcasts. But there's some of us that have been around for a little while um, that you know wouldn't expect somebody from that community to come out and. And, and try to if you if, if you can deduce okay if you come away from recent fights and some fighters not even being involved in fights but if you come away making a comment that Lomachenko is ballyhooed and praised and and hyped and respected as this as this boxing master as this boxing master and you come away from this saying that well how can you call Lomachenko that and not Andre Ward 
uh, Terrence Crawford. I don't even know how his name gets lumped into it. Yeah. Or 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 Guillermo Rigondeau or you know whoever. If you can't see the difference between Lomachenko and Andre Ward, like if you cannot see the difference between those two, and let's remember first off that Andre Ward is half white. <laughs> He's half white. His father is white. Yes. Yes, he's half Irish American. Okay. Um yeah, that's another thing that just doesn't make sense. I mean, the entire argument doesn't make sense, but if you cannot if you can't see the difference between what Vasily Lomachenko and 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 forget those those three black fighters that were just thrown in to make some idiotic race card statement. Okay, let's just forget all of that. Right. Let's put him against everybody in boxing. So that's everybody of every race, creed, color, nationality, culture, background, experience, yada, yada, fucking yada. The sport's a Mexican ball. It is. Okay? So put him against everybody. Not just three hand-picked black fighters who you think deserve more fucking credit right. for their sleepy-ass, boring, I-only-punched-250-times-a-fight I fighters, because that's what we're really talking about here. Vasily Lomachenko is superior in every aspect of boxing for what he does than anybody in this game, okay? He's the best technical boxer in boxing today. He has some of the best footwork in the fight game today he is as explosive and athletic as any fighter we watched him absolutely school an out athlete gary russell a much touted fighter for having arguably the fastest hands in boxing and those fast hands were hitting nothing but shadows and dust being kicked up by vasily lomachenko he is superior in these categories this is not hype if you cannot see the difference between vasily lomachenko does in the ring and andre ward does in the ring I have nothing for you. I can't help you. You should not be watching this sport because you don't know what you're looking at. You're just too interested in having some cause. It, it, they're, it's they're, clickbait. It's attention-seeking. It's, it's, dude, I'm just fucking tired of it, man. I don't want it near my fucking sport. Please. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and another thing, I just don't get how if you're white and you like a Eastern European fighter, all right, an old Russian Eastern Bloc fighter mm-hmm. from the Ukraine. And so he's not an American. No. His upbringing was nothing like yours and mine. Like, stop trying to lump people in. That's how ignorant you are that you will lump in people because they look identical to one another. Do you want me? Uh, let's just say any any black American out there, you want me just tying you in and lumping you in in generalizations with every African descent person from the Congo, Somalia, and every other country in Africa? No, you don't want to be lumped in with 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 people that you only share one thing in common, and that one thing in common being the thing that is so controversial, disgust, and hurtful in this country is that everything is applied to just a, a, a solid color instead of acknowledging the fact that there are different people that come from different descents that look the way that they do, but their experiences make them who they are, not who they root for. Oh, he, he looks like me, so yeah, I got to root for him. Yeah. Absolutely fucking not, man. I appreciate the skill. He could be black, white, orange, purple, green. I don't. I don't give a fuck. It could be Barney the fucking dinosaur. If he's fighting like that, I'm yeah. going to be giving him praise. I don't give a shit what color you are, man. Yeah, but Vin, you're not allowed to say that because you, you can't comment on that. Right? Oh, I, I can't. Here's what I can comment on: is that if you just listened to the segment when we were previewing J Rock versus Jamal Charlo, you will see exactly 
what we feel about Julian Williams and his future in the sport, we feel the same exact way about Vasily Lomachenko. We're talking about two guys, a black young American from Philadelphia, right? And a Ukrainian uh, ex-Olympic gold medalist, two-time Olympic gold medalist, two different walks of life, could not come from two completely different backgrounds. But you know what they have in common and why we talk about them in, in, in equal terms? They possess the hunger, the fight, the skill, the determination to be great in this sport. And all we want is fight fans that pay money. We just want to pay for for witnessing things that we can remember into the future for a sport that we love. We want we want to see fighters that have the sport as a whole in mind when they fight. Now, it's not just all about them and their pocket. They're interested in legacy, and they respect the history of the sport. And there's too many fucking fighters out there that don't right now. So when you get guys like Lomachenko, Julian Williams, Triple G, these are guys that you, I don't understand what you're fucking hating on, man. I, I don't get over it. These guys are what boxing needs. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. And it looks like HBO is uh, thoroughly invested in this guy's future. I mean, they got Pacquiao aspirations on the, on you know. That's what I'm seeing for 2017 is a, I'm going to go ahead and predict the 2017 fighter of the year will be Vasily Lomachenko right now. I don't even think I'm going out on a limb saying that. <laughs> He's going to run through that division next year. Yeah. And the great thing about the 130 pound division, and maybe he makes an appearance at 135, both divisions are packed to the gills. With guys that love to fight. Oh, we got you got th- you could have three dynamite fights lined up for him next year. Yeah, Mira Vargas Salido, boom, boom, boom. Get it done, Bob. Fighter of the year. Get it done. <laughs> All right, WBO 135 pound champion Terry Flanagan was in action against Orlando Cruz. This was supposed to be the hopes, the future, the aspirations of the L. Uh, GBT BGT community. Q. Um, <laughs> Orlando Cruz. Um, got stopped, and Orlando Cruz was not the hopes in the future of any community. He was merely an overmatched fighter that had no business in the ring as Terry Flanagan is put on layaway um, for honoring a mandatory against Felix Verdejo early next year. Yeah, uh, this, that's <laughs> unbelievable. The way that that lays out, how Verdejo wrecks, gets in a wreck, laid up in a hospital for God knows how many months recovering from this injury. And whenever you're ready, kid, it's, it's waiting for you. Yeah, it's waiting for you. I mean, this is a, what a fucking joke, man. <laughs> uh, again, it's another example of poaching the easiest belt in the division for a fighter that's not really ready to be a champion. Let's be honest. There's no guarantee he gets through Terry Flanagan. No, there isn't. He hasn't looked that good in his last two fights. And this is coming from a guy who in 2014 ranked Felix Verdejo as the number one prospect in the world. And I was through the roof super high on this kid i was thinking felix trinidad-esque career may be better nah, i'm off that train yeah i'm off that train he's got a lot of proving to do yeah um if that train gets uh, fired back up for sure um all right let's uh take it to i guess the action from this past weekend mm-hmm. last night in particular it was in moscow russia dennis lebedev defending his unified WBA and IBF cruiserweight championship against a man that hails from Abel Sanchez's gym um, at the summit and is stablemates and training partners with Triple G, Murat Gassiev, a a highly touted wrecking ball at the 200-pound division that uh, seemingly only needed a shot. Now, this guy had had a reputation of being all brawn 
than um, a guy that needed some polishing, much along the same lines as Artur Baturbiev, mm-hmm. right? And I think you could put them kind of in the same category, really. But this is a step that Baturbiev has nowhere near in his career whatsoever. No. Gassiev taking on most in the know, I guess, would probably lean towards most rankings anyways, have Lebedev because he is sort of what Arthur Abraham was to the 168-pound division for the last five years. Yeah. Kind of the guy, the old the old statesman, you know, always has a belt right there at the top, and deservingly so. You and I may lean towards a, uh, a young Ukrainian former Olympic gold medalist yeah. um, that we'll be seeing here in the United States very soon and want Alexander Usyk. But Lebedev is, you know, arguably the best cruiserweight in the world. This is a big, big fight for Gassiev here. And I'll tell you what, Vin, it did not disappoint. No, no, it was a very good fight, very close fight. Tough, tough fight to score at times. Uh, I think I, you've seen people score it both ways. Um, after watching it, I got to say one thing. Um, Gassi have landed the bigger punches. He got the knockdown in the fifth. I think a lot along the lines of the way that most people scored Ward Kovalev. It's a close fight. The difference was a round. I think, I think it was 7-5 for Gassiev and, and throwing the knockdown. So, you know, he wins by three points, but it was very close. Yeah. And I could see it 7-5 the other way for Lebedev. It wouldn't, it's not out of the question, but Gassiev was the bigger, stronger fighter in this fight and landed the bigger shots throughout all night. I mean, some of those lefts to the body, which the left to the body is what dropped him in the fifth, they were vicious, vicious punches, man. Yeah, and that was the real advantage because the one thing that really stood out to me was the length of arms for for Gassiev. Yeah, he was the much more upright fighter, but some of those body shots that he softened him up with and then the one that he ended up connecting that left to the liver Mm -hmm. um, that ended up dropping him 44 seconds into the fifth round, what I noticed was the leverage and the length on those punches. I mean, dude, for his skilled, Lebedev is the superior boxer in this fight. Lebedev was trying to dip out, and he ran into that left hook. That was a really smart punch by Gassiev. It was. You know, Lebedev is a really good counterpuncher, right? He's got nice a nice pot shot game to him. He he maneuvers around the target pretty well. I mean, the only times that he really got hurt, and, well, and I shouldn't say only times because it happened quite a bit, was when Gassiev was able to get in range and he just stood right in front of him. But the difference to me was the length and the size in this fight, man. I mean, yes, it was the harder punches is what decided the fight inevitably on my scorecard, Vin. But his length was such an advantage in mm-hmm. this fight that I feel – this could have been way wider on the scorecards. This could have been a 118 to 109 scorecard for Gassiev had he stayed on the jab the entire fight. Yeah, he did He did definitely go away from the jab in the middle of the fight, towards the end of the fight. And that's where he was setting up his punches early. But, you know, look, this fight to me was as good of a fight as it was. And coming in, this is, the cruiserweight division always delivers, man. I mean, I... Almost every big fight in that division is always a good fight. But can someone please explain to me <laughs> why the fucking WBA decides to pull the contention for their belt at the last minute? So even though Ledbedev loses, was it the IBF? Yeah, the IBF. He gets to hang on to the <laughs> WBA. Is it WBA or WBO? Yeah, it's WBA. Uh, the WBA is a fucking joke. Man. They are. I mean... Why Why are you doing this? Why are you pulling your belt at the last second? What is the issue? Did they make an announcement? Does anybody know? Is there any fucking rules? No. What it, is the fuck is this? Honestly. They, they have no rules. Their money is in Russia. Look, the most lucrative thing for the WBA is for Denis Lebedev to be their champion. 
period. Well, you know where you know he's where a superstar over there. Gassiev takes the belt and he'll fight in America. He won't fight in Russia. So yeah, you're right. That's why they did it. <laughs> yeah, and the IBF, where are they based? New Jersey. <laughs> unbelievable, man. Oh, you know what's unbelievable, Vin? Okay. Um Edward Troyanovsky getting flatlined in the first round by Julius Ndongo. And it's not I I've always thought that Trojanovsky is probably the softest champion of any belt holder in the world right now. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> right. Uh, but I didn't expect this. That right hand from Ndongo was a thunder stick, dude. Yeah, look, caught him cold, knocked him dead cold out. I mean, there wasn't even a question. He was not getting up from that punch. You know, I'm not shocked. <laughs> You're not shocked either. <laughs> Trojanovsky was a poser, man. He was a fucking poser. Oh, man. Maybe we'll get a rematch with Ick Yang. Yeah. Well, look, anything that involves Ick, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm in on it. Ick gets down. Ick throws down. Ick gets real icky. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, <laughs> meanwhile, um, at the Lagoon Leisure Center in Paisley, Scotland. Excuse me. So what? <laughs> yes. Retirement community in Scotland? We're still talking about boxing. Okay. From the Lagoon Leisure Center in Paisley, Scotland. Mm. Um, Billy Joe Saunders, the WBO middleweight titleist, returns to the ring to defend his belt for the very first time a year later. Somebody, please, 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 please tell me that BJ Saunders can beat Canelo. I mean, I, I dare you to fucking say that after watching that shit show of a fight. He needed an oxygen mask after the second round. He probably lost that fight, folks. <laughs> He got some home cooking, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, that's so horrible. I can't even believe we're talking about this right now. I saw a picture of him this morning running up a fucking road in spandex, and it must have been from two months ago. He's got his shirt off. Dude, he is fucking huge. He's a fucking whale. I don't know how the fucking spandex got around him. That's why the fight kept getting pushed back, because he hadn't lost the weight yet. Yeah, and I keep, I heard saw people tweeting at the weigh-in, uh, BJ Saunders is always in excellent shape. I'm thinking, why the fuck do you think this thing got delayed a week? Yeah. It's because he couldn't suck down 10 pounds in one week. You think a charlatan fraud who just sleeps and camps on his belt and takes to Twitter for the most meaningful fights of his last year, you think a guy like Billy Joe Saunders could afford to lose the only thing that makes him meaningful in this world, the WBO belt, by losing it on the scales? You think they were going to let that happen against Artur Akovov? No, and na <laughs> now he's saying he's going to honor his two mandatories uh, before he does anything. So it'll be three years before he gets a meaningful fight then. Unfucking believable this guy, man. He's what a, a joke, man. What a joke. Dude, if he had any other promoter other than Frank Warren, this would not be allowed. There's no apology. You can't be an apologist. For Billy Joe Saunders. I'm sorry. He stinks. Get over it. <laughs> He's fucking holding a belt hostage that he has no business wearing. Oh, all right. Let's travel back to Russia. On Friday night, uh, Richard Comey, who we saw in a really good fight with Robert Easter um, for the IBF lightweight uh, title, getting a shot at an eliminator against Denis Shavikov, a guy that uh, we've seen a lot of over the years, a guy that has always been sort of lauded for his motor. I thought from the beginning that this could be the sleeper fight of the weekend, and mostly because this would probably be of all of the all the competitive fights on the slate. 
for the weekend that this one would be the most overlooked because people just wouldn't be able to see it. Right. Um, but, dude, I'll tell you what, man. Shavikov comes out of this thing with a uh, a split decision. The only card going in favor for Comey came from Adelaide Bird. Of course. <laughs> Fucking shocker there. <laughs> but, dude, Dennis Shavikov is non-stop. This guy does not give you a second to even think in there. It seems like he's getting a little better with age, too, doesn't it? It does. I mean, it seems like he's becoming a more refined fighter now. And I was looking at the punch stats. I haven't watched the fight yet. But I was looking at the punch stats, and I, I saw Kami through, or Kome, excuse me, <laughs> through a thousand, over a thousand punches. Sounds about that, right. That's a lot. I mean, a, a jab-heavy fight for him. Shavikov landing the bigger <clears throat> power shots and throwing, I believe, 700 punches himself. I mean, I can't wait to watch the fight because it sounds like it was pretty interesting. Yeah, Shavikov, man, look. He, to me, makes the perfect fight in that division against Dejan Zlatikinen. Oh, hell yeah. Could you imagine these hell two going yeah. head-to-head? I mean, it would be an absolute slugfest. That would be an awesome fight, man. Maybe we'll see it one day. I just think that uh, Robert Easter's too big, too long, and has enough power um, that Shavikov may be on the end of a, of a decision that could go one way or the other. Somebody I, might want to teach Komei to move his head. <laughs> Nah, that's not in the cards, man. That's what makes him exciting. <laughs> he started moving his head. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so that'll do it from the fights of the last uh, last two weeks. Um, one fight announcement, Vin. A, a big one. Well, actually, there's another one, too, Ooh. but not as big. It's going to happen, Vin. Is it? The Haymaker versus Pretty Ricky. David Hay versus Tony Bellew, Vin. March 4th, 2017, same day as Garcia versus Thurman. What do you think about this heavyweight spectacular? Yeah, that is. It's a heavyweight extravaganza spectacular. Uh, Shit show? Yeah. I, look, uh, Tony Bellew cannot punch with a heavyweight. This is, a, this is another Eddie Hearn just, it's not cashing out a fighter, but it's cashing in on some feud that it just, it doesn't correlate over to, act, to an actual fight. Everybody gets rich on this fight, man. David Hay is way bigger, way stronger, way faster. I don't want to say way better, but he just has the advantages there. Bellew does not stand a chance in this fight. I can't believe there's not like a catch weight of like 210 or 215. Yeah, I'm surprised that Bellew didn't didn't put that in the contract. But hey, man, he gets to eat, eat whatever he wants, make some money. Hold on a second. Throw a few punches. Hold on a second. Let's think back to the career of Tony Bellew from, let's say, the light heavyweight division from 175 pounds to the cruiserweight division, 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Never in that progression. And he gained, I mean, that's a 25-pound difference there. Yeah. But his body looked exactly the same. Doughy, like he doesn't do any weight training whatsoever, that he doesn't do any aerobic. All he does is hit the heavy bag all day long. And guess what? What is the transition going to look like if he's look realistically to be able to withstand David Hayes' power? He's gonna have I don't know what his chin's gonna say you know have to say about it. Let's remember he was knocked out by Adonis Stevenson, who's a much smaller man than David Hay at one seventy five. At one seventy five, and this fight's gonna be at heavyweight. Yeah, dude, Bellew's gonna have to come in at two hundred and twenty pounds. Otherwise, this is gonna end quick. I, dude, I don't, I don't even think that saves him. No, I don't think it saves but him. But he'll, he'll be a fat blob at two twenty, wouldn't he? Yeah, I, I, I don't understand. This is going to be a quick fight. He's not going to have the energy to <laughs> go more than six rounds. There's just no way. Is anybody going to sanction this fight? Because I have a feeling there's going to be some steroids involved. <laughs> <laughs> I 
There, there's not going to be testing involved with this fight. I heard that uh, Eddie Hearn applied for a special exemption for like a special showing, like a, spe- a special spectacular. Maybe they'll come up with a spectacular belt for the WBC. But they had asked the WBC for permission to try to get this thing sanctioned outside of of them, and, it, and they're like, "Well, are both fighters signing up for Vada?" <laughs> Absolutely not. No fucking chance. <laughs> Uh, that's not to throw shade at anybody, but David Hay um, has metamorphosized over his his, his transition from cruiserweight to heavyweight, and wow. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny how them guys in their mid-30s get bigger and stronger. Well, that's why you take two years off from the sport, Vin. Hmm. You can get huge in two years. Hmm. <laughs> oh, but he does 15 million views on YouTube. Oh, fucking What did you think about that uh, uh, that cheap shot he hit Bell you with at the at the presser? Staged? Uh, yeah, come you on. You think Bellew would let him hit him? Like, let Did it really hit him? Oh, dude, it cracked him. Did it? Yeah. I saw a still photo. I didn't see it. I didn't see the video. I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> another one in fight. This this is, you might as well have Vince McMahon make a WWE belt for this fucking fight. Really, uh, honestly. The Miz versus Christian. Oh, <laughs> man. All right. The Miz. That's about the level of cheesiness this fight's on. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Whatever. I'll watch it. I'll watch it too. I always tune in for a shit show, man. Look, I, I, you know, you hear me hate on this fight. It, it will be a decent fight to watch as long as it lasts. And Tony Bellew, I'll be honest, has kind of grown on me. <laughs> he's he's like boy. a he's like a fucking wart that's just. I don't want to. I don't want to freeze off. That keeps growing on me a little bit. <laughs> Dude makes me laugh, man. If you haven't heard, there's a there's an episode. Uh, there's a podcast in the UK called The Next Big Pod. And it was about a year ago they had him on an episode. And it's a great fucking episode. I mean, you will laugh your ass off. And Tony Bellew is just a cool-ass dude, man. And that kind of – I kind of turned the corner after I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I just razz on Bellew because there is some shtick behind it. He said, your podcast ain't worth a fucking carrot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, David Hay, Tony Bellew coming to Sky Sports uh, March 4th. 2017. <laughs> All right, little news and notes. There's still some rumors kind of grumbling behind this, but you've heard some interesting people, um, you know, uh, journalists, members of camps, alluding to the fact that March 18th on HBO pay-per-view, um, we will be delivered Gennady Golovkin versus Danny Jacobs. Now, look, for them to get Danny Jacobs the type of money that he wanted – and still keep him within the range of the percentage of the purse that he's actually worth, Yeah, I think this thing had to go to pay-per-view. And now, I don't honestly give a fuck if you're going to buy it or not. I don't give a rat's ass if you want to bitch and complain about, oh, well, I got to put this, this isn't a pay-per-view fight. Guess what? They're putting it on pay-per-view for a reason, because guys like me are going to buy it. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a shame, because just the way that pay-per-views have gone lately, I just think it's it's coming to a point where fans are just at their fucking wits end paying $70 for fights, man. Hey, hey, give me some Alexander Usyk on the undercard. You know, yeah. sprinkle in a little Chocolatito, and you got yourself a you hell do, of a card. You do that, and you'll get my money, and you won't hear a fucking word from me. I'm not, not going to bitch about watching a fight like this, though. I'm, I'm just not. I mean, what, what it, look. Let me ask you this, Vin. Mm-hmm. What fight right now, if they could make it a pay-per-view fight right now, would you buy and not have one comment about it? You just say, no, I'm buying that shit. Golovkin-Canelo. That's the fight? That's it. 
even if it's a hundred bucks. I wouldn't pay a hundred bucks. That's well. Well, I'd split it with you. So, so if <laughs> if, if it was a hundred bucks, uh, fucking, I'd probably pay it. Yeah, because I want to see it. But God damn, man. Yeah. Stop reaching in my motherfucking pockets. I'll pay fifty or sixty bucks for this. Yeah. What are they charging for it? Do they announce? No, or no, they haven't even announced. No, because it's not official yet. yet. Yeah. But look, if this is going to go through, and we suspect that it will, regardless of what platform it's on, look, Golovkin at Madison Square Garden is a sight to be seen. He's fighting a New Yorker. This fight is going to have a really interesting crowd because regardless of what you perceive to be reality or not about Danny Jacobs, yes, he cannot. He is not a star to sell out Barclays Center on his own, but he does have enough fans that are loyal to him that think he just just needs to prove himself because, again, we talked about it with the Lomachenko thing, that a lot of race gets brought into this thing. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have people there that, that, that are just going to take sides regardless of whatever the demographics of this fight are. It's an interesting fight on many levels. And if this is the date and it's got to be on pay-per-view, I don't really give a fuck. I'm, I'm watching it. Yeah, I, I mean, might even go to it. Yeah, I've thought about it, thinking about it. We'll see how that card kind of rounds out before I decide whether I'm going to go to it. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not so big on Danny Jacobs, and I think it's an easy fight, but I think it will be a good fight as long as it lasts. Danny Jacobs is not a guy that comes in there and is going to run. It's not his style. Mm-hmm. He comes to fight. So it should be good. Uh, you know, you can say what you want, pay-per-view this, pay-per-view that. It is what it fucking is. This this sport is in such fucking disarray and turmoil, and they're trying to squeeze fucking dollars out of every nook and cranny of everything just to make sure that they fucking make money. So this is what happens. <laughs> this is what you fucking get. Whatever, man. Whatever, it's a, Vin. It's a, it's a pay-to-play sport, folks. And it's a pay, you know what? And it's a pay-to-watch sport. Yeah. At the same time, well, sometimes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Pay-to-play, pay-to-watch, whatever. But you know what? Look, when, when, when the people, you know, the powers that be have just completely, you know, the, the sport is in just perpetual chaos. Mm-hmm. Right. So that being said, the state that it's in has actually created this fight going anywhere near pay-per-view, because unfortunately, some people have been painted with a with a delusional idea that they're a superstar when in reality, they're only big inside their little viewing circle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that hampers this. Because, look, if Golovkin's going to get any of these schleps to get in the ring with him, anybody that anybody will give Triple G respect for beating them, they're going to have to pay these guys so much money that HBO, no network on this planet, is going to fork up the licensing money to pay the purses for these guys that are, I need three. No, hey, I'm getting knocked out. I'm going to need $4 million. I'm sorry, that kind of money does not exist on any network anywhere outside of pay-per-view. No, it doesn't. And I'm I'm getting tired of what comes out of this argument, which this, this then leads into that somehow Triple G is a protected fighter. Mm. No. Sorry. Weak. Shit's weak, son. Yeah. The only people that are protected when it comes to uh, fight negotiations against Gennady Golovkin are the fighters that hide behind exorbitant purses that are four to ten times bigger than anything they've ever received before because they've already given up. Once you, once you push it to a certain point, you know what the result's going to be. It's mentally the guy's checked out of the fight. Mm-hmm. If that's what, you know what I mean? Because if you want the fight, you take the a million, million and a half that you get to be the opponent. You go out there and make something of yourself. Go out there and challenge yourself 
win, lose, or draw, anybody that steps in with the ring in the ring with Gennady Golovkin and gives it a good effort, i.e. Curtis Stevens is still living off of fucking good faith equity from just putting on a good effort. Gabriel Sato's legend was of being one of the toughest never-say-die fighters in the fight game today, that he's so limited in the skill department and experience department, but his heart, that legend was sort of forged in the way that he did not quit against Gennady Golovkin. He was going to bleed out in the ring beforehand. Anybody that shows half good against Gennady Golovkin in a loss will come out of that fight with their career in better shape than it was going into it. Yes. Period. Yeah. Well, let's see how well the orbital bone of Kel Brook heals first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But speaking of Kel Brook, it does look like that Kel Brook has every intention in the world and that uh, negotiations have been underway for quite a while, that Kel Brook will make his return fight to 147 pounds and honor his mandatory challenge against Errol Spence. That's a tough one for Errol Spence, boy. I mean, if, if Brook can get back down to that weight and he's not killing himself to do it. That's going to be a hell of a fight, dude. And Golovkin didn't uh, ruin his career in, in five rounds. Um it's a very tough fight for Errol Spence. That's the toughest toughest belt you can try to get in that division right now. Yeah, maybe. Even though, even though Brooke took that loss, took yeah. that knockout, and I'm sorry, he's still a very tough opponent for Errol Spence. Yeah, well. The strength advantage isn't there. Like, he has a huge, that's Errol Spence's advantage against every other fighter in that division. Hell, Brooke's a strong MFer. Yeah, those guys will be standing looking eye to eye. Yeah. Um. Hey, get it done. Yeah. Come on, Eddie and Al. I'll tell you what, boy, that makes Kel Brook look like a BC. He ain't scared of nobody, huh? No. No, and then he'll cash out in June against Khan. Yeah. Hey, good for him. <laughs> yeah. If that's how you want to go out, you want to go out in three big fights in a blaze of glory and get paid for it, you ain't going to hear a fucking complaint from me. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. In two years of work, he, he, he escapes out the back door with $25 million in his pocket. <laughs> good for you, sir. Thank you for the entertainment. Exactly. Thank you for fighting the best. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, Vin. That is how you end an episode of the Tale of the Tape right there, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> all right. That'll close the doors on this episode. But, of course, with all the fights that we previewed, episode 142, Vin, is going to be stacked and action-packed. Plus, we've got to preview the old man's farewell. Oh, bon voyage, sir. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll see, Ken. I'm not real, not real hyped about this Hopkins <laughs> fight. i got to be honest. Oh, I thought we were going out on a high note. Nah, come on. It's <laughs> boxing, man. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so it's going to be a busy weekend, and uh, we'll be back with an action-packed episodes and uh, obviously more videos from the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. If you haven't checked out the Boxing Rant YouTube channel yet, check it out. Vin and I have just posted a brand-new video, Anthony Joshua versus Eric Molina. Fight preview video on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Drop by theboxingrant.com today and subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. And, of course... The Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. You can get it on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. But thank you all for dialing in to episode 141 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on theboxingrant.com. For Vince Cummings, follow him on Twitter at VinceCummings81. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Thanks again for tuning in to the Joshua versus Molina, Crawford versus Molina Jr., and Cuellar versus Abner Mara's preview special. But we'll be back next week with episode 142. 
So until then, enjoy the fights, enjoy the cold weather, and thanks again for tuning in to the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. Muchas gracias, everybody.